welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development where Rich and I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 Developer Platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. All right, well, welcome to episode 63. I'm without my trusted co-host. He is um, off in Australia doing personal things. He's got a brother that's getting married and I don't envy the long flight, but I did find one of his team members. So I have Sonia Kopteyev here. Hey, Hi, Sonia. how are you? How's it going? It's going great. So we're actually in San Francisco this week for Dreamforce. And if you guys aren't familiar with Dreamforce, it's uh, the big Salesforce conference. So Microsoft is doing a lot of partnership with Salesforce these days. And uh, this is my first Dreamforce. Uh, how about you, Sonia? Same with me. It's pretty intimidating. I mean, there's like 140,000 attendees. It is absolutely massive. I mean, the city is just filled with everyone with uh, Dreamforce badges and Salesforce logos all over the place. And it's definitely crowded. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, I mean, it's imagine having like multiple big conference centers all full. So I feel like I've only scratch the surface at seeing what all there is to offer here, but it's only day one. So maybe uh, check some more out later in the week. So um, anyway, so in terms of some of our updates this week, one of the, the biggest announcements was something that was in the rumor mill for a while, which mm-hmm. was Office 2016. It's called 2016, but hey, I think we're just going to go ahead and release it in 2015. So that's uh, pretty normal. Yeah, sure. I guess so. Well, we usually preview things at least and sure. definitely previewed then. But, um, you know, uh, Julia White had a post on Office Blogs where we kind of made it official. So next week, September the 22nd, we're going to be going GA with Office 2016. It's really exciting. I know everyone's been scrambling and working really, really hard for months to get this published and launched. And so it's really exciting to see it finally come to fruition. So what does that mean for you as developers, Office 365 developers? We definitely have some new development surfaces for Office 2016. So some of those you've already seen a little bit of a glimpse of. So we demonstrated things like the new add-in commands that are going to be front and center in Outlook um, in 2016. And those will eventually end up in other Office clients, but uh, we have we have more things up our sleeves, don't we, Sonia? We absolutely do, but those will launch later in November yep. um, as we snap to more of a developer-focused moment across the company. That's right. So, But there, we will um, have a little bit of discussion about some of the, the a few new things that we have around Office 2016 next week. So you'll, you'll get to, hopefully we'll look into have maybe someone from that engineering team to jump on and, and be able to have some discussions around that. Absolutely. So good stuff there. Also on, on the internet this week, uh, we did make some new samples added to GitHub. So some of the things that were over in uh, Codebox that we kind of moved that over so that it's now out on GitHub. So there's a whole set of, there's a few new samples as well as a few that have been revised. So, you know, this includes both some Office add-ins and also some SharePoint add-ins. So it's great to see, you know, we've had lots and lots of things around SharePoint add-ins, but it's cool to see more and more samples coming out on GitHub that uh, will show you how to put together a really good Office add-in. So there's some some new things like uh, some some Outlook add-ins, some mail, mail add-ins, and then an update to some existing ones. And a lot of these are using the new Office UI fabric that we talked mm-hmm. about last week. 
And I'm actually going to have a show on the Channel 9 Office Dev Show with Umberto and a couple other folks who pulled together the Office UI fabric coming in the next couple weeks. Um, and so that'll be great for folks to see more of the Office UI fabric in action. Yeah. So speaking of that, uh, Sonia, you have a, uh, a show on Channel 9. It's not completely new. It's been out for about 10 weeks, something like that. Uh, which is, again, this, I think we, we've talked about this a few times, but it's pretty big news for, for Office to actually have a, you know, Channel 9's a big focus on development and to have something that's 100% geared towards Office 365 development. And, you know, as great as, you know, we try to make this podcast and pulling in experts, you know, it kind of adds a whole new dimension by being able to, you know, see things live on a screen. So, so last week we had uh, a really great uh, new show that came out around file handlers. So the custom file type handlers and even had a, a partner, Smartsheet, who's already been doing some things with that. So that was, Sonia had uh, Doreen and, and Joe Adamson that um, have been doing that. It was a great episode. We had a, a quite an extensive demo of exactly what file handlers are and what you can do with them. And then also Joe went into how Smartsheet built theirs and the different components of it. And um, I think the demos were just fantastic. Yeah, if you if you haven't looked at it, it's it's pretty remarkable. Uh, we had Doreen on the the podcast a, a few weeks ago, so if you haven't heard that one, definitely go check it out. You know, the idea being, you know, if I have some sort of file extension that might be proprietary to my a product that I sell or something that my organization uses, you can ultimately build viewers and editors for that to be able to preview and go and and do rich uh, editing if you want. So definitely check that out. Another one that'll actually launch Thursday of this week on the Office Dev Show is um, another part of that Getting Started series. So in this one, we're going to do Angular. And I say we, it's, it's, I'm going to be on the show with you. So yes. we're going to do a little bit of AngularJS. So this is going to be Angular looking at a standalone application. So, you know, we have lots of samples out on GitHub around doing like SharePoint add-ins that use Angular or Office add-ins that use Angular. This one is focused a little bit more on building a standalone application. So it's going to use things like the ADAL libraries mm -hmm. and some of the Angular stuff. There that was too. a great episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, uh, although I think this is the one that I had challenges with my demo at the end. In, oh. in this one, we'll see. But then uh, we got it working. You got it working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cool. So uh, also out on the blogosphere, um, we had a new name to the the podcast that did a, a pretty interesting post. So Henrik Nielsen, who I believe works in the Visual Studio team, uh, wrote a great post on sending webhooks uh, with ASP.NET web, webhooks preview. So if, if you're not familiar with webhooks, this is really going to be some of our API strategy. So if I want to be notified when things happen, so actually uh, the Outlook team today, so I can do this with Office 365 Exchange Online, mm -hmm. is I can subscribe to certain things occurring, like maybe new mail showing up in my inbox. We can actually allow you to get an endpoint called when that happens. So it's a great way. We call it notifications some, in some places. But ultimately, it's a webhook, and um, Henrik goes through showing how we're going to be able to more easily support this in ASP.NET. Yeah, it sounds like a great post. Um, another one is from actually a, a guy on my team, uh, Elliot Miller. He's uh, kind of our open source guy on uh, my team within developer experience. But uh, Elliot wrote a really great post on building a multi-tenant hmm. uh, Azure AD application 
that uses Django and Python social auth. So I think this is pretty neat if, if you've, uh, we actually did an office uh, dev show on this as well, was building Python mm-hmm. add-ins and standalone applications. And I think this is a really good post by Elliot that talks about uh, how a, a multi-tenant app might differ when you use that uh, Python social auth. So definitely check that out. And then finally, an, another one of our great, I would say, frequent visitors here on the, the blog role is, is Waldeck. And he wrote a, a post on his kind of take of using the new Yeoman generator uh, to build Office add-ins. So, you know, we've talked a lot about this. I think people are probably sick of hearing us say Yeoman, uh, <laughs> but this is a big deal. Uh, and, you know, not everyone develops in the full-blown Visual Studio. A lot of people use Visual Studio Code or, yep. you know, brackets or whatever they, they might be, uh, you know, comfortable with. And we want to be able to have those developers, you know, have an experience. And so Waldeck goes into his kind of take on using the Yeoman generator. And, um, you know, it's a really good post. It's good to see another perspective on that. And you know what? Actually, at the booth, I've had a lot of interest in non-Microsoft stack development opportunities with Office 365. And so this really hits home with this developer crowd in that they don't need Visual Studio. They don't need VS Code. They don't need all the Microsoft stack stuff. They can code on what's familiar to them and still be successful with Office 365. So this is awesome. Yep. Awesome stuff. So we are going to be launching a brand new component to the uh, the Office 365 Developer Podcast. So we thought we'd have a little bit of fun. Uh, we, we had some fun doing things like giveaways. I think we'll do more of that in the future. But we're going to be starting a new thing. Every week we're going to be introducing what we're calling Podcast Punked. And so what Podcast Punked is, is Jeremy or I or you know someone else on the, the Office TPM team are going to be calling various engineers and MVPs, and we're gonna have a little fun with them. A little bit of prank calling, you know, never hurt nobody, right? Nope, yeah. nope. So we're gonna be introducing this. It'll be at the end of the show, but definitely hang, hang out to the end. We're gonna have Mark Rackley is going to be our first victim of Podcast Punked. And so if you don't know Mark, Mark runs a, a fantastic conference. It's actually this weekend in, um, in Missouri. And so uh, it's called SharePoint Alusa. We thought we'd have a little bit of fun calling as a lawyer and telling him that that is too much of a close resemblance to Lollapalooza. And so uh, Mark kind of freaked out just a little bit. <laughs> it was really good. So definitely uh, hold, you know, hang on to the end and, and check that out. But we have a great uh, guest this week. So we have Vincat Ayadivra. Vincat, we've had him on the show before. He basically is in charge of all of our APIs on the Outlook.com, Exchange Online, Exchange Server. So he owns all the Exchange web services. He's basically the API guy for Mail at Microsoft. Yep. And we recently, uh, the the Outlook.com and uh, Exchange Online team did a pretty significant thing, which was uh, they're really the first out of the gate in, in implementing what we call this converged experience between consumer and commercial. So I'm going to be able to register one application in one place. I'm going to be able to use one authentication flow, and I'm going to be able to call one endpoint to be able to go and interact with things like calendar contacts and mail. But it's, it's a fantastic show, so uh, definitely stick around, and we'll talk to Vincat about mail-based APIs. 
All right, well, I'm here sitting at Dreamforce in San Francisco. We'll talk a little bit about that here in a moment, but I'm sitting here with Vincat Ayadivra. Did I get that right? Yeah. Awesome, yeah. way better than Jeremy would have done. Just Jeremy, haha. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy's still in, in Australia doing uh, a little bit of vacationing. His brother just got married over there, and so I'm running solo this week, but uh, here with Vincat. And Vincat, you've been on the show before, but uh, why don't you give people a quick introduction? I own the Outlook REST APIs, and in addition to that, I also own uh, Exchange Web Services, Outlook Exchange Connectivity, but most of my time these days in, as part of the Outlook Program Manager team is spent on building out the REST APIs and working with lots of developers so they can build really cool apps and uh, really thrill our users. I've been at Microsoft for about seven and a half years, and before huh? that I was at Amazon Web Services for under two years, before that at an early stage company back on the East Coast. So yeah, that's my background. So I, it, it helps me a lot with my job because as we do these APIs, I try to relate to the times when I was in an early stage company where at one point, I think there were only four people went all the way to 28 and well, then it came down. So. <laughs> <laughs> but let's leave that part of the story out. Awesome. So. Well, you're um, excited to have you on the show again. You, um, I, I told you this privately, but um, you definitely, the things you guys are doing on the, the Exchange API side is is really, I think, uh, cutting edge for some of the things that are going on at Microsoft. So have some exciting things to talk about during the show Thank today. You. So we're, we're sitting here at, at Dreamforce in San Francisco. For those that don't know about Dreamforce, it is uh, the big Salesforce conference that happens once a year. You know, Microsoft and Salesforce have been working with a stronger partnership. And so, you know, we have joint booths here. So it's funny being at the Microsoft booth and it's half staffed by Salesforce people and half Microsoft. But there's, I think I heard 140,000 attendees. Yeah. So put, to put that in perspective, the big Ignite conference we did was about... I don't know, 23,000? That felt like a lot. That felt this like a lot. This is insane. It yeah. is. So it's so big that they actually had to bring in cruise ships yeah. to how they don't have enough hotel rooms. So there's cruise ships in San Francisco Bay to how, I mean, it, it, it's just at a scale that I can't even like comprehend really. I really haven't been able to take it all in. So what do you have this week at, here at, at Dreamforce? Oh, uh, I think I'm doing a couple of 15-minute talks on the Outlook REST APIs. I have uh, booth duty at the joint booth. That'll be fun. I get to demo not only the stuff I work on, but other products. Hopefully, I don't mangle those up. And I'm actually here because I want to walk the floor and connect with a lot of partners, some of whom I'm already working with and some who I, I want to meet here and uh, kind of connect with them. So, built I mean, but it, yeah, it is. It's pretty amazing how they're pulling off such a large event. So. Yeah, it is. It's quite impressive. So, well, it's awesome to have you here. It's um, you're also. I would also just pay another compliment to you of all of all the engineers I've worked with at Microsoft. You're definitely one of the more eager to be engaged with what what developers doing and partners are doing Thank with you. with our APIs. So I think that's awesome. And maybe it's because of your your background. It is, is like, being one. Yeah. yeah. So then that's this week. So that runs through Friday. And then this weekend, what else do we have going on? Oh, this weekend, actually, a whole set of my colleagues are coming to San Francisco from the Redmond area because we are we are sponsoring a hackathon as part of the, the Disrupt Hackathon, which happens in San Francisco. It, it is from September 19th, which is this Saturday from 12.30 p.m. It goes all the way to Sunday, September 20th till 2 p.m. 
and we are actually sponsoring prizes for uh, any entries uh, which end up using our Outlook, either the APIs and also the uh, add-in models we promote so that you can expose your own UI within Outlook and others. And we have some really exciting prices. I believe, I hope I don't get those numbers wrong, but I believe we have three prices, uh, $3,500 $5, and $500. we're really looking forward to having a lot of entries. And one of the things we're doing is, for us, this is not only a way to me uh, meet all these cool developers, you know, working on all kinds of APIs and get their feedback. We also fly our own devs and PMs to these events to give them a chance. Not everybody is fortunate to have so many first-hand interactions with partners. And we really want everybody in the team to have a chance to do this. And so we rotate around that so that when on a day-to-day, -day, whether you're coding or you're, you're designing a new API or a new feature, that you keep that experience, you learn from the experience, and you keep that in mind as you design these and make it very easy to be consumed. That's really our philosophy, and that's one reason why we are flying quite a few of these uh, folks from our, from our teams to participate. And there are people who work on the add-ins, there are people who work on the APIs, there are people who work on the OAuth piece of it. There are some of those who are just starting to work on really making sure that there's a great in-product experience to connect uh, the users with the cool apps that our partners are creating. So all of them, I think there's people from each of these teams we've picked to bring them over so they can get this experience themselves. That's awesome. And this is a pretty, you know, TechCrunch Disrupt is, is one of the more recognizable names in terms of Absolutely. like startups and hacking and things like that. So this is pretty neat. And I know, I know that this isn't the first Disrupt that you guys have participated no. in. So you guys did one back in like May, I think. We did it in May in New York and uh, we learned a lot from it. So first of all, we were super, we got great participation there. And we, we had sent two people and they were really busy. So this time we're sending a larger set. And more importantly, from that experience, we have come back and actually made a ton of changes and improvements to the underlying APIs, how you register an app. Yeah. Uh, so it's been great. It's been great. Awesome. You know, in general, you know, this is this is a pretty big, well-known hackathon. But um, you know, we're kind of doubling down on the hackathons in general. You know, we found that that's like you said has been a, a really valuable way of of um, you know engaging with developers. What sort of what sort of neat things? I mean, have you seen some really creative things? Um, that our APIs and add-ins have been used for in these hackathons? Yeah, I, I think I've seen some really interesting ones. Uh, I was there in March in AngularJS conference, ng-conf, mm -hmm. and uh, I, we saw some really cool add-ins there. One of them was where there was an add-in for Outlook, and what the add-in did was, as you got an email, it did an automatic translation, and then displayed the translated text. Oh, nice. Uh, but the way it was done is very simple, and so that was one of the prize winners. There was one more I saw, actually, uh, for Excel, and in that case, it was about visualizing some data they had, and he, you know, he pulled, I forget the, there was some really popular JavaScript visualization engine. Oh, uh, D3JS. D3JS, yeah. he had like a, you know, this dev had the side panel where the, you could easily visualize the data out there. Nice. That was pretty nifty. 
Also, equally important as some of the participants who didn't finish. Yeah. And so, one of them I remember was trying to get a list of all these conference rooms and visualize them in a different way than what we show in Outlook, like a drill down view because they have like a, it's a global company and he wants to be able to drill down and look at conference rooms. And I remember it took a long time for him to find the information he needed. So he kind of ran out of time. That was a very short hackathon. It was like a three or four hour hackathon. I told us what we need to do on our sites to make it much easier to find information, for example. Yeah. So, so, so for me, like I said, it's exciting to see the type of solutions people build. Uh, it's also pretty neat. Uh, it's also very educational for me to see what are the ones who, like what happened to the teams which ran into trouble. Yeah, so that actually tees up our prime, like the main topic of today really well. So you, you mentioned going to some of these hackathons and seeing where developers would struggle and not necessarily by their fault, but maybe by some of the, the setup process. So, you know, you guys recently, you guys being the Outlook.com exchange team, um, recently did another kind of groundbreaking thing, one of the first services within Microsoft that has implemented this kind of converged consumer, commercial, uh, both single app. Well, the way I like to call this is one app, one API, one auth experience. It's all really uh, unified. Um, and you know, some of that getting started, um, the new getting started process of having one registration, you know, that was, that was direct from some of the feedback we've had at some of these hackathons, right? Yep, absolutely. And one thing I do want to say is, you know, that, that work to make the Converge Dot possible was done by many, many teams. Uh, certainly we heard the pain point, we conveyed it, and then the Azure Active Directory team worked very, very hard because that was a massive, under, that was quite a difficult undertaking to be able to present a common app registration endpoint yeah. and have one endpoint which can issue tokens both for consumers and businesses because of historical reason and they pulled it off and when they pulled it off we, abs we absolutely want to take advantage of it right away so we have made sure that in conjunction with basically a single endpoint where you can register an app and a single endpoint from where you can get an OAuth token whether it's a consumer or a business commercial user that we provide a single API endpoint where irrespective of the users on Outlook.com or on Office 365 that your app can basically access the user's information. Now, there's a few things I want to mention here. So the, in terms of the API applying to Outlook.com users right now, as we have talked about in blogs and other announcements, we are upgrading all of the Outlook.com users, and it's actually quite a large number. I believe it's around 400 million monthly active users. It's a very wow. It's a it's a really good target. It's, it you know it makes for good ROI if you can spend some time developing an app and if it gets traction among users, right? I think uh, you can. It's only worth the investment you're putting in. Uh, so what we're doing is we are taking all of these users and upgrading them to the new Office 365 infrastructure. And like I said, because we wanted one API endpoint, which previously we have announced, we, we have already had working for Office 365 users. We want that to also work for Outlook.com. What we have done is, as these Outlook.com users get upgraded to the Office 365 infrastructure, then their information is their mail, their calendar, their contacts is, are, are automatically accessible using this, these APIs. Yep. So while today not every Outlook.com user 
uh, can be reached through the API. We are, we are pretty actively upgrading these users. Very soon that will be the case. And, the, and so at that point, what that means is by registering this new the app in the new v2 the v2 app model which azure active directories are offering uh, and by using this new oauth endpoint you can write as app once you can register it once so it's available both to office 365 users and outlook.com users and it'll be you you know and your target mar user base at that point is the 400 million monthly active users plus the tens of millions of monthly active Office 365 users. And in the, in the space of Outlook, there are many, many scenarios where what you're trying to do actually makes meets the needs of both con, uh, consumer and commercial users. Yeah. So for example, I, I, if, I don't know if you've seen the recent press releases in the space of add-ins, and this is not just true for APIs, right? Even in the space of add-ins, Boomerang, uh, for example, Uber, those scenarios apply to both. Sure. So why not make it apply to both, right? So that's a key thing. Also something I want to point out is, so one of the feedback, going back to the hackathon thing, right? One thing we, I often saw, and I think you, you've seen that many times too, is teams struggling with a few things where in the old app registration model, to register an app and target Office 365, you have to have an Office 365 tenant. And for developers, there's always a, it's a point of confusion that, okay, what tenant do I pick? Because we yeah. have a large variety of tenants, SKUs we offer to meet the need of various Office 365 customers. So there is that point. The second is the way, you know, when we got, we got the APIs out the door, there were some links between us and the Azure dashboard which weren't super clear, and there were cases where as you try to register the app, in that process we were asking for a user's cell phone number so we could send a verification. Yeah, credit message, cards a even. Credit yeah. card. Yeah. And all the people that gives them pause, right? They're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, even if they knew. This. Yeah, so like th that's an interesting point is even the credit card one is what I'd always hear the feedback on is like, well, wait, I, I thought I got Azure Active Directory when I you know, got this free yep. one user developer tenant. And and that's true. And if, if that's all you used in Azure was at Active Directory, you would never get a bill or, yeah. or a bill of zero at least. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and that was such a point of confusion. Confusion, for sure. And so I was really thrilled when this V2 uh, app model came out from the Azure Active Directory team where you just needed a Microsoft account. So your Outlook.com account sufficient to be able to go and register apps. Uh, they also made uh, one more simplification I believe they made is if you have an app where there's a native app running, let's say on an iPhone or a Windows phone or iOS, and you've got a server backend, they all are part of one app registration. You didn't need multiple. That was another big improvement. Uh, and and then there was, of course, this new endpoint where you could go request an Oauth token. And before, app developers have struggled because we tell them, hey, if you have to put these tiles, which are, are you a consumer? Are, are you doing this for personal? Are you doing for work? And if some users are running a small business using the personal email address, they're not sure which one to enter. Sure. The beauty of the new model is when you go and you enter your email address, the we disambiguate saying, okay, we know that this person is business, this person is consumer, and we just take them to the appropriate place to authenticate, and then an auth token is issued with the right permissions, and everything works smoothly. And there's only a small number of cases where if for some reason you use the same email address, like your university issued thing, where you use it for work or study, 
and you happen to register in a Microsoft account with the same name, there we ask you because we don't know. But majority of the cases, we just take care of it. Yeah. So it's much, much smoother for the developer and for the end users who use their apps. So, and on our side, what we have done is, uh, one thing we did, again, right? We're trying to pay attention to all these details because when somebody has very little time, every tiny detail matters. So our endpoint, which we ga in October was outlook.office365.com slash API. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to confuse developers by saying, okay, if this says 365, is it going to work for outlook.com? So this endpoint continues to work. So if you have an app running and using this, you're fine. Mm -hmm. But we also have an endpoint available called outlook.office.com and slash API. And the reason is so that the, for the developer, it's clear that it doesn't matter if this Outlook user is coming for work or personal, whether it's Outlook.com or Office 365, yeah. it should work. And and that's what, and this is one of the other things we're trying to do is kind of trying to every pay attention to every detail because that way hopefully we can make it really intuitive and really easy for them to use. And we're always listening for feedback. So. Uh, when people give us feedback, positive and negative, we take that very seriously and we go look at what we can do to keep improving our platform because we really want to build a vibrant ecosystem. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. I think that, um, you know, from a, if, if some of our listeners haven't built an application in the past that connected to both our consumer and commercial services, they may not recognize how significant this was is so you, you ultimately, you'd go one place, a comp one completely separate site and you'd go register um, an application that would use a Microsoft or an MSA account like a, you know, Outlook.com or Hotmail. Um, and then you went a completely separate place, which was the Azure management portal to register one of these other types of apps. And what we've done is now we have a, 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 this unified place that the Azure AD team has is, is put together. So you go to apps.dev.microsoft.com um, and, and like you were saying, you can you don't even have to log in with an Office 365 account. You can just use that MSA account and you can go and create your apps. And even beyond that, one of the, the things I really like about the new app registration, it's just like super simple. Like there's, you know, if you go to like an Azure Active Directory application configuration screen, there's all these settings that, you know, are, are kind of overload. You know, you had to deal with things like, um, go specify all the permissions. Well, now you actually get to just specify your permissions on the fly as you make a request for a token. You had, you know, if you had an application that was going to have a mobile interface and a web interface, those had to be separate applications. And now that, again, that's all, all been consolidated here. So for those that have, have done this in the past, you know the pain. Um, and so you're gonna be able to start doing this. And for those that maybe lived in only one side of the house or the other, maybe only consumer or only commercial, I think that value prop that you described of reaching so many more end users with one implementation, one app, one OAuth flow, um, I think it's, it's, a, it's just an awesome combination. Oh, that's great. A few things I did want to mention of the, uh, you know, the new app registration, the V2 app model is it is in preview. The reason it's in preview is there's a few capabilities we're still adding which exist in the existing app model in the V1. One example is client credential flow. So one of my colleagues who actually does a lot of the auth work on the Outlook team side, Matthias Liebman, mm -hmm. 
he has a blog which actually gets a lot of uh, a lot of people go and refer to it, uh, which explains how you can use the existing auth model to build out a daemon app. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of people are interested in that because they need it for background services. That capability has not yet been made available in the V2, but I think will be made. It's certainly part of the roadmap. Uh, that's one. And there's a few other uh, cases like that. That's why this new app model is in preview. But of course, we are very excited about it. We want to take it to full. And I'm already encouraging anybody who comes to go develop using for the Outlook APIs to go take a look at it and if it meets their needs to actually use it because like I said the experience is so much better, it's simpler, I think it's 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 certainly worth it'll be worth their time. And you know, the the point you're highlighting about writing it once and targeting the a large as large a user base as possible, it really fits into kind of our larger philosophy we've taken. And again, once again, it's not just APIs, it's add-ins, it's our entire developer ecosystem we're building here uh, in the Outlook team, and I believe this is true for the rest of Office as well. The first thing you need to do is you need to give them like a rich set of APIs which are intuitive to use and perform fast enough that you can build meaningful scenarios, right? Yep. That's that's one. The second is once you've provided those, you have to make it like you have to have a good ROI for the developer by giving them a target, large target market mm -hmm. or target user base, which is what we did by opening up Outlook.com. And the progression there is out Office 365, then Outlook.com, and and then we want to look at how we can have REST APIs available in the on-premises exchange. Do I get that question all the time? Right? I have customers who also use on-premises exchange. What do I do? Well, for now, the guidance is use Exchange Web Services, but we are actively working to also bring these to the on-premises exchange. It turns out that for the on-premises exchange, getting the REST APIs working there is a matter of just doing the engineering and having the APIs available. The challenging part there is how can we have the app developer continue to register their app in a single place, but yet make OAuth work for on-premises customers? And that's not a uh, that's not an easy problem to be thinking through carefully, like what are the ramifications there and are we still giving enough levers to the on-premises customer so they are in control of the environment. So it'll take a little bit of time, but we're working through it because we do want you to have as large a target uh, audience as possible. So once you've given them a rich set of APIs, a huge target market, you also, we want to give them really good set of dev resources. So dev.outlook.com, I highly encourage you to go there. There's a great set of getting started samples, by the way, even which uses V2 model in different runtimes. And uh, you know, and there's a variety of other samples. We have a playground here, and then Office. If you go to dev.office.com, Office all up, you have a lot of resources there. And the goal there is, once we've given you these capabilities, how can we decrease or minimize, really make the ramp super, super low so that you can quickly become productive? So that's in terms of making it easy for you to learn what APIs we offer, giving you a playground, simplifying the app registration experience, giving you making it as easy as possible to get you on a token so you can get going, right? And then one more piece which we're working on is how because users are, you know, especially in Outlook, a lot of users, they spend their, almost their entire day in Outlook because sure. there's this yeah. workflow is in there. So the question really becomes, I'm doing something, oh, I think I wish I had an app or something to help me do it better. At that, in that context, is there a way we can connect the user 
to the app, which may be already there in our office marketplace, which does it. So how do we do that? There's, you know, we're, we're, so like suggestions almost? Yeah, I, I don't want to be prescriptive. I mean, you know, we're thinking through what the model looks I like. See. There's a whole team, a sister team of mine, which is kind of thinking through that carefully. And it's again about, you know, you as a developer have spent some time, built an app, how can you maximize the returns on it, right? How yeah. can we help you do it? And how can we therefore make it, with the vibrant ecosystem, really delight our users as well? So it's a win-win for us. And finally, and this is a piece where Richard helped us a lot, is it's not enough to have all of these tools and capabilities. Uh, developers have to know about them. That's where yeah. the evangelization comes in. They're going to hackathons, they're presenting at conferences, coming to places such as Dreamforce. So this is kind of the model. This is the lens through which we view our, our development investments. And uh, we, are very, we are very committed to it. And so we're working actively to do this. So please send us any feedback. If you think there's something we can do better, something we can do different, we're always looking for feedback. And what's the best place for that user voice? Is that kind of? Uh, there's a yes. There's user voice. Sometimes developers leave questions on Stack Overflow. Yeah, you guys uh, do a really good job of. Uh, we we've stayed on top. It. Just come to Outlook Dev Center. There's a user voice there. Just leave you know leave your comments there. We're always looking for feedback there. And then if you have point questions on how do I do the X or Y or how do I use this API or it's not working, you can always post questions Stack Overflow. Usually we have people actively. Uh, looking mm -hmm. to see and make sure that they're responded in, in timely fashion. Awesome. Well, you guys have definitely, um, like I said, um, the I would say the pioneers in going out the gate with you know APIs mm -hmm. that support this new auth model. Um, you know, and, and definitely I encourage. We'll make sure that this is in the notes for the podcast. Is the the samples that they have out on dev.outlook.com. You know, it's a lot of times. Um, we, we try not to do this, but sometimes we'll come up with something that's in preview where it takes us maybe a month or two to get really good samples out there. And it wasn't the case here that I'm looking through this. There's already samples for, you know, doing this with .NET, iOS, Node.js, PHP, Python, Ruby. I mean, you guys got, you know, a lot of the, yeah, those major platforms Yeah, did a phenomenal covered. job. I mean, uh, uh, some of you may already seen all the answers from Jason Johnston, for example. He, he's done a lot of great, great work on some of these samples. Others on the team who work very hard on design, going and completely re redesigning these pages so that we can make it apply to both business and consumer. There's a place there, for example, if you're looking to build an app, uh, and today, since we are still upgrading all the Outlook.com users, you can go in as part of the getting started also tells you how to go apply for an uh, preview outlook.com account so that we can give you an outlook.com account which is already on the office 365 infrastructure which means that the rest apis would work but already I, I see a lot of requests already but that's something you can do as well as part of doing the getting started so a ton of resources on dev.outlook.com please do take a look yeah, and actually, you, you made a good point there, and I'll just bring it up really quickly, is, you know, that, that migration process, you know, that 400 million active users, that's a, that's a huge number. And so that's not something that, although we'd love to wave our hands and have, have that happen overnight, you know, it's something that's going to uh, occur over time. And so the important thing here is if you are interested in developing um, on these APIs is definitely look for, you know, how you might get into a preview. But the other thing I would say that I, I, I'll give kudos for is that, I went and built an app uh, just a few weeks ago that, that used this, this new approach. And I noticed that when I used one of my uh, Outlook.com accounts, I wasn't getting data back, but I looked at 
the the JSON fault that came back, and it was very clear as saying, "Hey, you know this this account isn't supported in this." In yeah, this. and we made sure to do that because if you just written a four or four resource not found, somebody people are going to spin their wheels trying to figure out what did they do wrong. That's right? right. And so we want to make it very clear that no, no, you're not doing anything wrong. This account's not ready yet. That's right. So that way, programmatically, uh, you have a way of also telling your user if they're not ready yet. Right, that you know, this is so nobody's doing anything wrong. You haven't entered the wrong creds. We're not doing anything wrong. It's just please wait to be upgraded. So that's the reason we we actually yeah we made sure that that error was in before we that that error code was deployed in production before we announced. Awesome. Well, cool. Definitely check out uh, the the resources in the blog. Go to dev.outlook.com and see some of the samples that are there, uh, and and try this out. I mean, this is this is the perfect time where it's there's still runway to get feedback, you know, and so or it's easier for us to to get feedback. So definitely check it out. And Vincat, thanks for being on the show Thank again. You. Be little, I really enjoy this. You're gonna be a regular. Well. So I'm happy to, and there are other people on my team who've also enjoyed doing this. I know Rohit did the groups one, uh -huh. so I need more on my team to do it. It's fun. Awesome. Very good. We'll have a good week here at uh, Dreamforce and at the Hackathon. I'll be there too. I'm excited to see what gets built. Me too. Yeah, well, the Hackathon I'm going to miss because I think I have to head home. My younger one has a birthday party. So. Oh, okay. But there's a very good team. Oh, that's right. All of them know way more about the APIs than even me, so I think <laughs> they're in very good hands. So Awesome. Well, have a good oh, one. Thank you. Hi, this is Anne. Hi, Anne. I just, I just missed a call from you. Oh, hi. Uh, is this uh, Mark Ra Rackley? Is that right? Yes. Hi, Mark. Uh, my name is Anne McIntosh. Um, I'm with the law firm Walters, Smith & Greenberg. I was wondering, are you the proprietor of SharePointAlooza.org? I am. Okay. Um, I'm calling because our firm represents... LLC. Uh, you probably have not heard of that company, but they're ultimately the producers of the Lollapalooza Music Festival. Um, uh, and we, uh, you know, my, my client recently acquired a trademark for the suffix Alusa, and therefore they've put together a very comprehensive uh, strategy to preserve that brand. Um, we ultimately stumbled, and I apologize for the late call, so, um, but really what I'm calling about is you know, our legal team and my client ultimately came across your website and um, are asking that you change the name of your site in a, an event because it infringes upon the Alusa brand. Okay. Um, I'm supposed to, uh, how about after in three weeks? Is that fine to do in three weeks? Um, you know, we, I mean, we I've did. got everything in print. It's a, it's a nonprofit event. I'm not making a dime. In fact, I'm losing like two grand on it. It's in three weeks. So there's really, I mean, if you guys want to, if you guys want to take Mason Jar Productions to court, I'll, I'll just call for bankruptcy and end the, end the corporation. And you'll be spending legal fees for that. I can change it after this event. There's no way I can change it before. It's three weeks. Oh, I I understand that. That um, I noticed that on the website. You know that it, the timing is very uh, unfortunate. Um, and I sympathize with this issue. Well, I'm not I, I'm not changing it. I'm not changing it before three weeks. I, I, it is not possible. If you need to do something, the name of the corporation is Mason Jar Productions. Uh, I can get, a, get you in touch with one of our attorneys, but I cannot change it in three weeks. Yeah, so let I me... I it after three weeks. Mr. Rackley, I understand what you're saying, but let me continue because I think we want to try to work with you, right? So, for instance... Oh, okay. Uh, for instance... <laughs> I'm sorry, I was just... 
So one of the things that we would like to, um, we put together a couple of options because we did notice the upcoming event. Uh, one is that my client has given me authority to offer a one-time licensing agreement of Alusa. Um, is that something that you would consider for this upcoming event? I can't. I, like I said, I'm already out of pocket two thousand dollars. It's a nonprofit event, so I I can't license. I, I just don't have. I mean, you, know, you can you can't take blood from a stone. It's not an event that it's even possible of. I mean, and I'm wondering if I can check with the trademark attorney to see the fact that you didn't trademark it until you know I've been using this for two years now. And you just now trademarked it. I, hopefully there's some sort of grandfather clause to where yeah, anything that requires any money from me or any changes from me in three weeks, I cannot do. Yeah. So, um, so let me, let me go to the next option. Cause I, we did think about this, you know, we're not trying to be um, bad guys here. So another one is possibly a cross promotion contract between Lollapalooza and SharePoint, SharePointAlooza.org. And what that would do is it provides a very clear severance of affiliation between SharePoint Alusa and Lollapalooza, including all liabilities and privacy guarantees. Um, is that something you could make an update to, to the website share, sharepointalusa.org? Uh, yeah, that should be no problem. Just basically saying that we're not affiliated and anything that happens is not associated with you guys. I can definitely do that. Yes, and and are you working with a design agency that I could get in contact with for this messaging so that we can make sure the the T's and C's uh, are are appropriate? It's all me. <laughs> like I said, you've hit a very small event. This is like uh, if there's no yeah, there's yes. I guess it's a nonprofit organization for a small conference in Branson, Missouri. I mean, music is a very small part of it. Okay. And. Uh, Okay. Yeah, so just, it's me. It's, it's me. <laughs> okay. I do have a nonprofit which I incorporated under. So for any legal paperwork, I can give you that address to make sure that you're dealing with, with you know, the corporation and not me personally. Okay. So, well, let me just move forward. Uh, you know, my client would expect the update to be uh, obviously professional within those reasonable means. And I can provide you the details, the language, if um, that would work. I, I can just give you an overview of that language right now, if that works for you. Uh, can you email it to me? And I'll just, uh, I mean, I, oh yeah, you, you can probably give me an overview of the email to me when you're done. That sounds great. Okay. So the language will be something to the effect of. Hey, Mark, this is Rich and, and Jeremy from the podcast. You, you've been, you've been pod show punked. Hey, you guys. <laughs> Seriously, man, you handled that way well. It's like you talk to lawyers all the time. <laughs> Sorry, that's not too much of a dumbass. That <laughs> was good. You know, I just like, it's three weeks to my event, and you're doing this. <laughs> Holy cow. Awesome. And Austin, the 512 area code, so I didn't even think about Jeremy scheming or anything. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not that small. I went last year, it was awesome. Well, I've got to downplay when I'm talking to someone with legal on the phone, right? I've got to. Definitely all of it. So no, it's actually going to be much bigger this year and much better. So, Hey man, thanks again. Revenge. Thanks for being a good sport. I will, I will get my revenge. <laughs> Bye guys. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of our other podcasts and all of our amazing resources. 
You can also check here for more information on our developer program where you can get a one year three developer tenant to stop building against the Office 365 platform. We're always here to chat with you on the Office 365 technical network on aka.ms slash Office 365 Dev Podcast Yam. Or you can follow us on Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. So until next week, guys, get coding.